also allowing myself to be able, like I said, to set boundaries, understanding that to everything that I said yes to someone else, it meant a no for something that was important for me. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories for my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order values first now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. I want to make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm really excited for you to hear my conversation with our guest, Patricia Arboleta. Patricia is a highly successful certified executive and leadership coach and the founder of Arboleta Coaching, a company that empowers driven women and Latinx to accelerate their success, take their careers to the next level, and break through barriers to build the futures they want. As a Latina woman who has climbed the corporate ladder, serving as a global senior executive for a Fortune 500 company, Patricia has an insider's understanding of what obstacles stand in the way for most female and Latinx leaders. Her multicultural background and the 25 plus years of management, sales, and marketing experience give her the ability to truly develop both rising and established leaders so they can effectively lead from a place of unshakable confidence and propel their teams, their organizations, and their lives to new heights. She has coached women at all levels, senior executives, mid-level managers, and rising stars, and has helped them own their power, find their purpose doing what they love, and the fulfillment and balance they deserve. Patricia's perspective-shifting keynote speeches, presentations, and workshops are designed to inspire audiences 
and leave them with actionable insights and strategies to put into powerful action. She's a certified coach, a John Maxwell certified leadership coach, and holds advanced certifications in women's leadership from Cornell University and strategic leadership from the Columbia Business School. In our conversation, we talked about her career and corporate living and leading in multiple countries and about how her definition of success shifted from perfection of moving up the corporate ladder to one of courage. We talked about the behaviors associated with perfection and how those are holding us back. And we also talked about why we don't do things because we're afraid of failure and how to use mindset shifts to grow. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I'm super happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to finally connect and to dive in. Um, But before we do, do you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself and telling us about your story? Of course. So uh, first of all, Patricia Arboleda. I am uh, Latina. I was born and raised in Colombia. And I have been living in the United States for the last 14 years or so. I was living in Spain before then. So I have been working abroad like an immigrant in um, many different countries during the last 20 something years. That's basically who I am. I have a son who's 28. I raised him kind of on my own because I got divorced when I was four year, when he was four years old. And so um, it was uh, an adventure, but I'm going to tell you, it has been the best adventure of my life. I'm very proud of um, the relationship that we had and how he grew up to become the, the man he is today. I love that so much. And I'd love to hear your experience. You said that you were in multiple different countries throughout your career. So can you walk me through what your experience kind of in corporate was like in different countries um, as an executive in these Fortune 500 companies? Yeah. So I was in corporate for 25 years. 21 of those years I was with uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I started working with uh, Hewlett Packard in 1999. And then with them, I moved to Spain. I was there responsible for um, marketing with responsibility for Spain and Portugal, right? Um, After eight years there, I decided to move to the United States or, I mean, I got a position with Hewlett-Packard in the United States to uh, start leading uh, marketing or channel marketing for Latin America. So I came here and moved with my son And it was after the first two to three years that I was leading Latin America, they called me to start leading and defining the strategy for the small and medium business globally. So I moved to a global responsibility where I was traveling all over the world, leading multicultural teams, and uh, which was an amazing experience, which helped me learn a lot about myself, about my leadership style, and about what I really like, which is developing people and helping them grow. 
So after um, being in global, I moved again to senior level responsibility, leading all channel sales and marketing for Latin America, and then back to global again. And it was at that time, a couple of years ago, that I decided to leave corporate and, and start my own journey as an entrepreneur, doing what I am super passionate about, which is coaching and helping women and Latinos um, level up their careers and accelerate their success. So in those roles, those are big roles that you had, global roles, um, deep business roles. What did success look like for you then? Like what, what did that look like for you personally, both kind of family and business? So my definition of success has been changing along the years, right? So when I started uh, being a single mother or being responsible for raising my kid, my definition of success was to move up the executive ladder so that I could make enough money or good money to take care of my household or my son, right? So that was my definition of success at the time. With time, that has been changing. And I must say that today, my definition of success is being able to do what I love and having a balanced and fulfilled life. So things change with years. They do. Did that evolve over time for you? You mentioned like kind of through your leadership style, you really love developing others. So how did kind of this idea of success for yourself and kind of climbing that corporate ladder evolve over time? Were there any specific instances where it became just very clear that it was changing? Yeah. So I am a perfectionist and let me, let me correct that. I am a perfectionist in recovery. Okay. So I have been always a perfectionist. And I think that many of us women have the tendency to be very uh, perfectionist. And that's mainly because of the way that we have been brought up, um, the things that we are told when we are little, and the fact that we have that idea that we have to constantly prove our self-worth, right? As uh, that is more real when you are an immigrant and when you are of uh, Latin origin, mainly because of the culture and the way that we, the things that we are told, right? So coming in and working in corporate environments where I was an immigrant, a woman and a Latina required me to be always proving um, the fact that I was the best at what I was doing and trying very hard to win the position that that executive position that I that I thought was so important for me at the time right so with that I ended up overworking myself I ended up burned out sick and extremely tired because not only I was trying to be like the perfect professional but also the perfect mother and finding the right balance at the time wasn't easy. I got sick, I was burned out, and I had to stop for a moment, right? And and really start thinking, okay, what is life all about? Is this real, really what I need to do? 
with my life and my family and my career. So I looked for a, a, an executive coach at the time who really helped me see things in a different perspective, right? He helped me uncover the beliefs that we have as women about ourselves, our environment, and the things that we are supposed to be doing, right? Because we have that thing that we need to be the superwoman. And so we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable or ask for help, or it's like, we wanna be able to do everything on our own. And so when I started working on my mindset, I started understanding that it wasn't necessary for me to be a perfectionist, that, I could be successful with being imperfect, mm-hmm. that I, it was okay for me to be able to celebrate my achievements and feel comfortable with setting boundaries. And so when I learned all of that is when I started thinking, okay, this is great. It's great for me. It's changing my life. So I want to be able to help other women in the same way that to, to find that fulfillment in the same way that I did. So that's when I started thinking and changing my priorities and changing what my definition of success was. So I started looking into how can I help others, other women that are going through these same situations that I have been going through for so many years, right? And so that's when I started digging into uh, coaching and, and the things that I'm doing now. I love that. When you decided to take a break and get your executive coach, kind of what was a day in the life before versus after? Like what kinds of things did you kind of shift in terms of maybe work hours or priority or those kinds of tangible things? And how did you do that? So a couple of things. So I started taking more care of myself. Self-care became an important component of the daily equation in my life. So exercising became important. So I started running. I did a half a marathon. I started biking. So I did a half Ironman with my brother and sister in relays. So exercise started being something that was part of my life, going to the gym and and doing things like that. Also allowing myself to be able, like I said, to set boundaries, understanding that to everything that I said yes to someone else, it meant a no for something that was important for me. So I started looking into how do I prioritize things in a different way? Uh, So that changed. And the other thing is that I started, I I understood that it wasn't necessary for me to always be pleasing everybody um, because the first one that I had to take care was me and feeling okay with that, right? I always like to give the analogy of when you're on an airplane, they always tell you as mother or as a mother or an adult with traveling with kids, they always tell you, put the mask on first and then help the person besides you or the the kids, right? So that's basically what I learned. I I had to take care of myself uh, and to be able to be the best leader, the best mother, 
and the best for everybody else, right? So that was one thing. The other thing was that with that executive coach, I did work a lot on mindset. Mm. And the, the one thing besides the perfectionism that was always there as part of my own thing was the scarcity mindset. So having that fear of not having enough, and that was probably because of the way that I had been raised, listening to my mother when I was little, money doesn't grow in trees. And so you have the tendency to say, to start thinking, okay, money is hard to make. What if I don't have enough to take care of my son? And you start building that scarcity mindset, right? And that was one of the things that really stopped me also from moving forward on doing something that I wanted to do many years ago. So being able to understand that I could trust the fact that I was always going to have enough, that helped me do big shifts in my, in my life. It's like you start seeing life without the fear of losing. And when you don't have fear of losing and you trust the fact that things are going to work out, then you are also able to take more risks and do more things. And that's where growth uh, comes from, is being able to try new things and get out of your comfort zone with the understanding that everything is going to work out. I love that because it's like a, a courage that you have in your own abilities, it feels like. Right, exactly. It's trusting yourself. Um, it's all about self-confidence and uh, building that really empowers us to to do whatever we want and to define success in our own terms. That's the one thing that I always recommend to the women that I work with is you need to have your own definition of success, not what people expect from you, not what your family told you that you have to do, not what your boss expects you to do. What is your definition of success? What's important for you? Why do you want to do what you want to do? And then with that, build a career with intention, intentionality. (laughs) And so that really helps. I know in my clients, I find a lot of the similar themes and we coach kind of similar people too, kind of high achieving women um, that are doing so many things, not often putting themselves at the beginning of their list, right? Do you find now um, through the pandemic, it's been even harder for for women to overcome some of these things like perfectionism and have the courage to, you know, trust in themselves? So I have seen, you know, how um, they're saying that with the pandemic, we have had the great resignation, right? I have read and I call it not only the great resignation, but the great awakening for some of us, right? Because one of the things that I have noticed, and many women come to me saying, okay, I know that this is not what I want to do the rest of my life. I want to connect with something that has purpose, or I want to work in a company that, that aligns with my purpose, that has the same values, right? So there is a lot of that going on right now where we're saying enough is enough. It's time for me to do something in a different way. And I'm, I'm finding a lot of that, you know, um, women that 
I mean, they had the opportunity to be at home, with, be with their kids. They know what it is. And they're saying, I want to set my own terms at work. This is what I want to do. And so, and they're actually taking action um, to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the things that we work. And that doesn't mean leaving corporate. It means probably finding the job that you really like instead of settling for the things that you don't like, being able to say, I don't like this. What I would love to do is to go to that other organization, which is going to enable me to do what I really am strong at and motivates me. And they go and look for it. Yeah, I've also found similar in the women that I work with. And it's, I think it's given us a bit more courage kind of this with the circumstances. Um, But I feel like sometimes they're still hesitant to either ask for it or um, go all in on what they really need and really want. So as people are going back to the office, maybe the schedules aren't as flexible, or maybe they don't want to travel as much as they used to or whatever it is. But when they first start building those boundaries um, and nobody says anything to them, they realize, oh, I could have been doing this this whole time. Okay. (laughs) Like I'm going to, I'm going to start to do more. Um, So it's, it's interesting um, once you start to do it. I wonder, I'd love to ask you, once you've started to build boundaries personally, was it hard to do? And then how have you continued to do it yourself? So I think at the beginning, everything that represents change, it's a little bit scary. But when you think that, I mean, you ask yourself, what is the worst that can happen? And you understand that, I mean, there is nothing that can really happen, right? So you start making those changes. The other thing is that when you recognize that failure is only in your mind, because sometimes we don't do things because we are afraid of failure. And so we get in our comfort zone and doing what we know and not setting boundaries because we feel that if we do, we might fail or we might lose the job or we might something. And the reality is that failure is just one more way for us to really grow. And if we're not doing the things that will enable us to grow and take risks, then, I mean, what's the point, right? Uh, Being unhappy or unfulfilled, going through life just like that. And so when we take that leap and we start setting boundaries and, and saying what we want and what's important for us, it's an amazing feeling because it's like we take back control over our lives and that's super powerful. It's like when I started understanding mindset and how mindset work, that our minds work. And I started like helping also women because every, every time that I'm coaching someone or in any of the programs or workshops that I do, we always start with mindset. Once we understand how our mind works and how basically we are allowing our subconscious and the beliefs that we have from when we were little that are not real beliefs anymore, right? But we allow those beliefs to take control over what we do, understanding how to change that and taking back that control. And and so it's super empowering and it's like amazing. It gives us so much satisfaction 
to be able to do that. So yeah, once you do it, you never go back. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I was having a conversation with my group coaching participants this week, and we're doing a module on building boundaries. Mm-hmm. And they asked me, Hey, what is this like, like in another iteration? Cause we start with one boundary and then we kind of build from there. And I said, well, get ready. The first one's hard. Just like you said, this idea of change, we have all these kind of things that we say, Oh, you know, they're not going to think I'm committed or they're not going to think I care or all of these things. But then once we actually do the boundary and then celebrate that success, It's kind of addicting. You're like, oh, what other things do I need? What other things do I need to, you know, to still have really high quality in my work, um, to have more thinking time, to have like all the things that I actually need to get this big job done. And it's easier to put some of those in place once you've kind of gotten that muscle down. But that first one's hard. It is. And it's also because we're making assumptions about what they might tell me, what they might think. And so we leave out of all the assumptions that we are doing. And the reality is that it's better just to go and ask, don't make assumptions. And most of the time, those assumptions are, um, I I have people think about it, internal assumptions and external. And then we go through them and we say, has anybody ever given you feedback on any of those things? Or is that something that you've just thought somebody Mm -hmm. would say? And what we realize is that probably 99% of them are just things that we've made up in our own minds of Mm -hmm. stories that people will think about us, even though nobody's ever told us any of those things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. When I was first, um, first time mother, I would, I would be in, I was in an office, I had a long commute. I've told the story before this idea that like when the baby was, he's 10 now, this was a very long time ago (laughs) when he was a baby, I would get home and I would see him for an hour before he had to go to bed. And I got home. I left early one day, like at four 30. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And, um, and it was amazing because I got more time and my commute was shorter and I was just in a better mood and I was more engaged the next day at work and all of the things. It was amazing. And then I thought about how can I get this schedule? Um, and I thought about all the reasons why I wouldn't, wasn't able to do that. But all of those reasons, nobody had ever told me that I couldn't. I actually had a very, uh, very supportive manager and all I needed to do was have the conversation And he trusted me to do the work because of my, you know, of my previous results. Right. So there's lots of things that I think we stop ourselves from doing because of those assumptions that you mentioned. The assumptions. Yes. And the beliefs. It's like when I have, I have had women in um, saying or telling me, I don't feel comfortable speaking up in meetings. Okay, I am comfortable when I am in one on ones, but not in meetings, because what if they ask me something that I don't know? And that is, again, the thing about us being perfectionists, who expects us to have all the answers? Nobody, nobody. We are not supposed to know everything. If we did, we would be called instead of Patricia Google, because I think Google (laughs) is the only one that has the answers for everything. it's impossible. So if we don't have the answer, we just simply say, Hey, you know what? I don't know, but I'll check it out and I'll get back to you. That's it. Simple, right? Nothing happens. 
Nothing is going to go against us or, or, or think that we're not good professionals or high achievers or think less of us because we don't have all the answers. But that's how assuming things and how the beliefs that we have can stop us from moving forward because speaking up in meetings is important. We need to build our brand. We need to let the people around us know how we think, what is our opinion about something. I mean, otherwise we become like the best kept secret in the organization. Oh, she, yeah, she's there working, whatever. We don't even know what she does. No, we need to be able to claim our achievements, say what we are doing. And we start, that starts with being able to talk in, in meetings. Yeah. I love how you described, um, it's not just about having the answer, but it's also how you think sometimes the best way to contribute to a conversation or a meeting is asking the right question, right? right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, inc- asking, you know, somebody else's opinion on something because you've connected two dots that nobody else has thought of yet. So I, I love that. But this idea of perfectionism of, feeling like you have to be super prepared, right? We probably over-prepare for things um, because we want to be prepared if we're asked that question and thinking of all of the hours that are wrapped up into, into all of these ideas of perfectionism. It's a lot. It is a lot. And it can have a huge impact also when we are leaders. Um, because first of all, we start expecting the rest of the people around us to be at the same level of perfectionism that we have for ourselves. So that in itself is putting a lot of pressure to the teams, to our teams, which is not necessary first. Then the second thing is we don't allow us to be vulnerable, ourselves to be vulnerable. And if we're not, we lose credibility. I mean, people don't trust us in the same way when we are vulnerable and we are authentic and we let people get to know us. And the other thing is when we are perfectionists, uh, it's very difficult for us to delegate, right? Because we think that we need to either, we are the only ones who know how to do things in the right way, right? And so, or we think that we need to tell how to do everything to, uh, to the people before we are able to delegate. No. We are supposed as leaders to be able to develop the people in our teams, to let them grow, right? So for that, instead of telling them everything they need to do, it's good also to be able to coach them, ask them questions like you were saying. I mean, and and allow them to find or help them to find the answers Um, because otherwise we're creating people that are completely dependent on us, telling them everything instead of really helping them grow as individuals and professionals. That last description that you just had reminds me of a woman that I coached uh, a while back. And it was just that she had, um, you know, she was a leader of a team. She really valued being um, an expert in her field, which she was. And she had built out these very sophisticated reports that guess what? Only she knew how to do. And what did that mean? It meant that she wasn't going on vacation and she didn't for a really long time until she finally decided to go on vacation because there's a a big family event coming up. 
Um, and she uh, trained one of her direct reports on how to run this report. And the, the directions on how to run the report were some ridiculous amount in PowerPoint. I don't know, 50 pages. And she had built all of this stuff to build this report and had taken so much time to do it. And that was just one example of one thing that she was doing with her time, because like you said, she was a perfectionist, had very high quality of work, had a hard time um, delegating. And what did her, how did her team feel? Her team felt like maybe she doesn't trust me to do this very important report, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe Mm -hmm. she doesn't trust me because she gave me all of these directions, like so many, so many directions, right? And how does that feel? Um, And as we started working together and we started kind of unraveling some of those mindsets, And some of those things to, you know, like you said, build trust with team and then empower team. And then she realized how many things that she could get off her plate because she had really great people on her team. And then that would allow her to then, you know, do other things, all those things that she wanted to do more strategic things to uplevel some of her skills. And, and so it's, it's really interesting when you start to think about the behaviors of perfectionism and how much, you know, preparation and time we're just putting into some of these things when, you know, we could have the courage in ourselves or even the courage um, to let, to delegate it out to our team as well. Exactly. And I've had also women coming to me and saying, you know what, my my most important issue right now is time management and prioritization. We start digging into it, right? And so we start looking into, okay, how is it that you're using your time? We do all the time um, assessments and things Mm -hmm. just to find out that the real reason why they're not having enough time to do the things that are important for them is because they're not delegating and they're not delegating because I mean, they're holding on the perfectionist, they're lost in the perfectionist trap. And so again, you end up being uh, burned out, exhausted. I mean, doing everything on on your own instead of asking for help or or letting the people around you also grow with you. And, And so it has a huge impact on everything we do. This thing about being trapped in this perfectionist syndrome, I would call it. I don't know how to call it yet. Yeah. No, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned before that some of the first things to do is really to understand mindset. Our listeners are listening to this. Is there anything that you'd suggest that they can do as kind of a first step and kind of uncovering some of these kind of perfectionist behaviors that, that they might have for themselves? Yeah, so one of the things is uh, we need to try to become self-aware. And for that, we need to start writing down specific things and and what are the things that we hear? What is that inner voice telling us? What is the inner voice telling us? And so that inner voice is going to be directly connected with that subconscious belief that we have about ourselves. It's like, for example, you're going to go into a presentation and you're super stressed, right? And so all the what ifs start like coming up to your mind. And then that inner voice starts, what if I don't make a good presentation? What if I'm I'm not good enough to um, share this information? What if all of the what ifs? And all of those are going to be 
connected to your subconscious beliefs. So start writing those down. I mean, journal. So becoming aware is the, the first step into um, being able to then reframe those beliefs. And there is a lot more that we can do, but start with understanding and becoming aware of your beliefs. I love that as a, as a first action to take. And it might surprise you what comes up and what else ends up on that page. Exactly. Yeah. When you start journaling, and that means that you need to take some time for yourself as well, because we normally are taking care of everybody. And so people tell me or women tell me, no, you know what? I don't have time to stop and, and start and, and do the exercise. Well, you need to start also focusing on how you allocate time for yourself. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you and love that as a next action. I have loved our conversation so, so much. And I would love for you to tell our listeners how we can connect with you. I'm happy to connect. I am on LinkedIn, of course. And so you can either reach out on LinkedIn and also check my website, Arboleda Coaching. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well. Or you can email me, patricia at arboledacoaching.com. And we'll put all of those in our show notes so that um, it's easy to connect with you. And I just want to thank you so, so much for your time today and for our connection. Thank you, Laura. I'm or Laura. Uh, how do you pronounce your name? Either Laura. one is fine. I love I love how you say my name. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.